going to be a great and meaningful and effective uh, sermon series in January. I hope that you'll join us uh, for that one. Uh, but we have one more message in 2020, and I think that we do uh, need it. If you've ever seen the movie Apollo 13, you're familiar with this famous phrase that was spoken in a time of extreme crisis in, um, at NASA. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. Their, their, their mission was supposed to land on the moon, uh, but two days after launch, there was a fault in the electrical system, which caused an explosion. A uh, major power loss occurred, and they began to lose oxygen in the tanks. The worst crisis or problem, however, was uh, that the space shuttle was going to need to re-enter the Earth's atmosphere, and the big concern during that time was, you know, was the heat shield damaged during the explosion, and would they be able to survive that, that re-entry? And as the astronauts are uh, literally plummeting into the atmosphere, and as the heat starts to build down on the ground, uh, the NASA people in Houston are all talking about this. And this is the moment of truth. They've done everything that they know to do. Uh, they're now about to find out if these three men are, are going to live or are they going to be incinerated. The public uh, relations director at NASA on the ground is kind of sitting there and he's counting up all the risks and all the problems and all the possibilities and everything that could happen. And, uh, you know, his big concern is what's the public going to say? And uh, that's when he kind of lets out this, this uh, phrase, this could be the greatest disaster we've ever faced. And that's when the man who plays the operations director, whose name in real life was Gene Krantz, he's kind of the one keeping everybody focused and leading everyone through this whole conflict and ordeal, he turns to the PR director and says these famous words, with all due respect, sir, I think this will be our finest hour. When people ask me about 2020 and how that's affected me, I feel like I have two different answers. It's like, which one do you want to hear? I've got this one answer that talks about all the suffering and the pain, the difficulties and the disruption and all the chaos that happened this year. I've also got this other answer about all of the wonderful things that God has taught us, the miracles, the way that God has showed up in a special way and the blessings and joys of 2020. So I'm like, which answer would you like today? You know, what kind of mood are you in? But it's kind of both, isn't it? 2020, it's been a year. Uh, there, there were three uh, major stories this year. If you read any of those lists that they come out this week of the top 20 stories of 2020, you're going to find these three stories on this list somewhere. First, obviously, there's the global pandemic and the economic shutdown, which brought unprecedented fear and un isolation as we moved online uh, in a time when we were already spending way too much on time online. Uh, secondly, there's the killing of George Floyd, and also Ahmaud Arbery, Jacob Blake, and Breonna Taylor, and others, which brought to the surface racial tensions at a fevered pitch. And then third, there's the presidential election that was fraught with bitterness, polarization, intractability, and frankly, hatred, where both sides uh, just kind of were talking through each other, past each other, and it felt like the end of civil discourse as we've known it. Now, bear in mind, any of these three things would have been the top story of any other year, but having all three occur in the same year was a little bit of a uh, pressure cooker. It was almost like the perfect storm of these things all coming together all at the same time. Uh, and here we are at the end, and it feels like our year was somehow broken in an explosion, and we're kind of wondering, like the people at NASA, uh, is this really the greatest disaster we've ever faced? Can God actually redeem such a broken year? 
Well, I believe the answer, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, is yes. In fact, redeeming that which is broken happens to be the specialty of the Trinitarian God that we worship and serve that we understand from the pages of both the Old and New Testaments. No matter how difficult this year has been, nothing is a waste in God's economy. And so today for this New Year's message, I want to look back and consider for a moment with you briefly, what are some of those lessons that we really have learned from our God this year? And I'll be drawing from the New Testament epistle of James, the half-brother of Jesus. If you happen to have a copy of God's Word in your hands all bound together, nice and convenient for you, or if you have an app on your phone where you could bring up a Bible, uh, which is just fantastic, why don't you go ahead and do that and open to James chapter uh, 4 as we look at three spiritual lessons in the book of James in a message I'm just calling 2020 hindsight. 2020 hindsight. What are those spiritual lessons God has taught us? Those would be wise for us to carry forward in the year 2021. Yes? So why don't we pray and ask for God's help today. Our Father and our God, thank you for inspiring this text, for your word pierces through all of our confusion. And I thank you, God, for bringing us here today in such a way that we could be within earshot of not only the gospel, but also to hear your wisdom. And so I pray that you would remove anything from our hearts that would, that would prevent us or keep us from hearing from you, for we do not need to hear from a preacher today. We do need to hear from you, God Almighty. And so we ask that you'd speak through your word. And Lord, as we leave here and enter into the new year of 2021, I pray that you would find us equipped with the spiritual lessons that you have given us. And looking forward to following you and serving you and take away anything that would be a stumbling block in our path that would prevent us from being fully devoted to you this next year. We ask this for Christ's sake and for his reputation. Amen. All right, three spiritual lessons of 2020. Lesson number one, ready? Here it is. We are not in control. We are not in control. I don't think any of us who rung in the new year on December 31st, 2019 and said, Happy New Year. Uh, had any idea what we were getting into in 2020. I'm reminded of the words of James chapter 4. Uh, and he said this, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. This year was so much different, so very different from what we were planning. The COVID-19 intrusion has left us realizing that we are less in control of our world than we even thought we were. COVID-19 has knocked us around a bit. As a community, generally, it has caused enormous dents in our presumptions that we are an autonomous and sophisticated people, confident to handle whatever may come. Instead, it is raising more fundamental questions about who is really in control of our individual lives. Are our lives really autonomous, or is it maybe true that we are answerable to the God who is wielding history according to his own awesome and sovereign plan, moving it inevitably to a truly magnificent endpoint? Well, we who share the Christian faith believe that it is the latter. And if so, isn't it wise then for us who follow the Lord Jesus to place our lives under his sovereign control. This is what James is telling us. Look at the text very carefully. He says, come now, listen up. 
At first, it sounds like a typical conversation between a couple of businessmen here. They're talking and they're discussing their plans. For when? Today or tomorrow? Where are they going to go? This or that town? How long is it going to be? Well, we're going to spend a year there. Do what? Well, we're going to carry out business. Why are we going to do that? Make money. Cash. We're going to be rich. Now, is there anything wrong with this? Not necessarily. What you have to understand is there's nothing wrong with what they did do. It's what they didn't do. These guys forgot something, or I should say they forgot someone. They forgot to include God in their plan. Nothing wrong with planning. Personally, I love planning. The Bible actually talks about the wisdom of planning. Uh, Last summer, we went through the book of Proverbs, and it says if you don't plan, then you're a fool. So don't misunderstand. It's wise to plan. What's wrong is when we plan without God. I believe time spent stepping out of our normal routine this year has been instructive in this capacity. This year, many of us have slowed down in our life simply because we don't have any other option. We've been forced off the merry-go-round. And the result is we have less of a sense of chasing our tails. God in his grace is giving us time to ponder this and to re-engage with him and learn from him. So let me ask you this. As we enter into 2021, what is your plans for next year? Does God have a say in those plans? Have you talked to God about your plans to go back to school or to get this credential or to uh, go back and get that degree? Have you talked to God about your plans to be married or to date that certain someone or to remain single? Have you talked to God about when you're going to retire Or have you just thought that you can do all of these things however and whenever you want to? Don't you think he's interested in those kinds of things? Of course he is. James says, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. That knowledge is not given to me, right? I can make an uneducated guess, but even even the most educated guesses can be wrong. Life is unpredictable, isn't it? This is why he says to us as readers, you don't even know. You just don't know about the future, and neither do we. Who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? A war could start, the pandemic could end, the economy could turn around, Jesus could return. I don't know, but neither do you. Just think about everything that's happened in the past 365 days. Looking back, did you have any clue what your life would look like today? Chances are probably not. I remember sitting in an elders meeting at the very beginning of this year, and we were talking about COVID-19 and what was happening in Wuhan and what would we do if a case actually came to the United States. And, and uh, this one particular elder who's, who's an economist and he's always thinking forward, he's really, really smart. He goes, well, if that happened, then we would just go 100% online, 100% virtual. And I looked at him, and I didn't say this out loud, but I looked at him like, that's not going to happen. I thought that. And then, you know, a couple weeks later, I'm in a different meeting personally advocating for it. It's probably a good idea that we, you know, shut down the church gatherings and go 100% online. And the point is, we don't know the future, right? Chances are, if you're like most of us, there's been some surprises along the way. Some of you are more aware of this than others, right? If you work on commission or you're self-employed or you have your own business, you know you can go from feast to famine in, in your income. One day it's great, the next day it's like, you know, a crisis. You don't have any kind of assurance. 
And so because of that, maybe you're more aware of this truth than others who have the illusion of security in our jobs. But the truth is, commission or not, no matter where you work, there's no guarantee of perpetual success. Life is unpredictable. That's why you need God, because he knows things that you don't know. He's omniscient, right? That's just a big theological word that means he knows everything. Everything about himself, everything about you, everything about the whole world, everything that's going to actually happen, and he knows everything that could possibly happen that doesn't happen. Isn't that amazing? It's mind-blowing when we think about our God. Job 37, 16 says, God is, quote, perfect in knowledge, unquote. Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done. He knows who's going to be in this next administration. He knows everything. He knew you were coming to church today. He knew that you were going to sit in that particular seat when you came into this uh, church service today. He knew that you were going to be watching at home today, sitting where you are, watching where you're watching from home. He knows what we're going to have for breakfast tomorrow. He knows everything. Now, in light of that, do you see why it's wise to consult him when we plan? We are not in control. Therefore, James says you should submit your plans to God. You should say, if the Lord wills, we will do this or that. Try to work that phrase into your conversation, even today, as you're thinking about what you're going to do later for lunch. If the Lord wills, we will eat this or that. Just try to remind yourself of who really is in control of all things. See, a Christian makes their plans, yes, but then they dedicate those plans to God, and they also do so with a confession that they do need God's favor for those plans to come to pass. We need God because we're not in control. That's lesson number one. Lesson number two is this. Life is short. If 2020 has reminded us of anything, it is abundantly clear this year that life is brief. The brevity of life is seen all around us every day. James says this, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Key word, little. The Bible describes our life as brief. We're like grass. We're like a puff of smoke. We're like a vapor. You know, the other day I was down at the Delaware River in the morning, and there's this mist there all over the river. It's beautiful. But by mid-morning, the mist is all gone. James says, your life is just like that mist. It's there for a brief moment, but then it's gone. It's short, and therefore it's precious. I emphasize this because sometimes we need a reminder that we're not going to live forever. And 2020 has reminded us that we are not going to live forever. Life is short. No matter how long your life is, even if you live to over 100, compared to eternity, life on this earth is relatively short. It goes fast, doesn't it? I'm not trying to be morbid, but you do not have an unlimited amount of time in front of you. Therefore, we shouldn't put off doing good, James says, right? Look at verse 17. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. It's this procrastination trap. It's when I live in the land of someday I will... Someday, I'll, you know, I'm intending to do it. I will get to it. I will get around to it. One of those days, one of these days, 
One of these years, I'm going to get serious about God. One of these years, I'm really going to be committed. One of these years, I'm really going to read the Bible cover to cover. One of these years, I'm going to start actually giving financially and tithing on my income. One of these years, I'm going to, I'm going to be the dad that I want to be. One of these years, I'm going to serve God in this way or that way. But here's the thing, you never do. But, but when you know the good you're supposed to and you still don't do it, James says that's sinful, you're just assuming that tomorrow's always going to be there for you to get around to it, but that's actually not guaranteed for you. That's why he says it's sin. We don't think of it that way, right? We think of sin more like the big stuff, like murder, committing adultery, and you know, cheating and lying. Those are called sins of commission. But the scripture says there's another category of sin, the sin of omission. It's when I sin by simply doing nothing at all. Do you realize that? It's true. Doing nothing can be a sin. The reason is because there's things that we ought to do, that we are responsible to God for our lives. This is a stewardship for which we are accountable. Jesus told a parable about this in Matthew 25. It's called the parable of the talents. There was this master, and he gave these three individuals talents. To one man, he gave five talents. To another, he gave uh, one talent. To, to another, he gave ten talents. A talent was a weight of gold. And he told them to invest it and do business for the master while I'm gone. And then he leaves and he comes back years later. Two guys had invested and they had doubled their money. But the third guy had taken his gold and he buried it in the ground. And then Jesus, who is the master in this parable, returns and he says, you wicked servant. Now why did Jesus say that? What had he done? What was so wicked? Well, what was so wicked is he did nothing. Right? Jesus says doing nothing is wickedness. James says it's, it's a sin. It's, it's, it's a trap that's called procrastination. But today is all you have. Not next year or next month or even next week, but now. So in light of that, what do you need to do? What are those lessons in 2020 that God has been teaching you that you need to continue in the year 2021? Maybe God has been prompting you to restore a broken relationship and take the first step towards that person. Maybe it's God is prompting you to witness to a friend and share the gospel with a, someone that you know, maybe a family member this year, maybe invite them to church this year. Maybe it's you really need to get help with a certain problem. Or maybe there's a financial issue that you really need to clean up from your past. Or maybe, maybe there's a physical health issue it's time to tackle. All you have for sure is today. Do the good you know God is calling you to do. Jesus said we should work while it is still called today because night is, night is coming when no one can work. So we got to pursue God now. we got to love those around us now. The Bible says now is the acceptable time. Today is the day of salvation. While it is still called today, let us be diligent to enter into his rest. So life is short. Don't put off obedience to the Lord. That's lesson number two. Lesson number three. God can bring good out of calamity. God can bring good out of calamity. There's this one Chinese character that uh, stands for the word crisis, and it's a combination of these two other words, the word danger and opportunity. And I think that's what a crisis is. It's a combination of those two things. It's danger that comes with an opportunity. This is what James teaches us in chapter 1. Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work 
so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. In response to the COVID-19 challenge, we're watching the medical community make significant advances so that their efforts have become so much more focused lately. The same is true, I think, in this spiritual community. There's this new openness to spiritual truth, I believe. Yes, this year has been difficult, but in the middle of all this, our missional God who sent forth his spirit, who sent forth his son, and who sent forth his word has been pursuing his creation, and our evangelistic God is alive and active right now. In talking to other pastors and friends and church leaders, they've shared instances where people's responses, such as anxiety and fear and uncertainty, have led to a new openness to the existence of God and the meaning and purpose of life for the first time. People are beginning to recognize that they have this virus called sin. And we in the church, in the body of Christ, have the vaccine of the gospel of Jesus Christ to offer to them. In our church, people have been attending our services online who have never stepped foot in our church building before. Others who were on the fringe are now more regularly watching. Our church has not shrunk during this time. In fact, we have grown during this time. We've expanded our digital and virtual ministries in several exciting ways. People are searching for the opportunity to clarify who Jesus is and how he can help them find genuine security and significance. They want to be sure of what's truly important, both now and in the future, in the life to come. This year, we've had God just offer us amazing opportunities to share his love with those around us. If you've visited our Unhindered page, then you'll, you'll see so many examples of God bringing good out of this calamity this year, right here at NBC. We've had the chance to reach out with the love of Christ and serve our community. Just one example, one of the things we did was just simply buy lunch for all of the local elementary school teachers over here at Cedar Hill down the road. Just, just, just one small act of encouragement and love from Millington Baptist Church. We received so many notes of gratitude about that. Here, here's just one where the teacher uh, wrote us and she said, we are very touched by the church's thoughtfulness and it gives us such encouragement that others are thinking of us, especially during this time. Please share our gratitude and thanks to those who organize the gifts. Friends, it's only because of your faithful financial giving that we're able to do ministry like that. So let me encourage you to consider a year-end gift to NBC so that you can be part of God's plan. And by the way, I just also want to say thank you. Thank you to our church body. Thank you very much. This entire year, leaders, servants, volunteers, and the entire church body has been extremely flexible and gracious, and we have asked you to adjust several times. You were willing to meet outside in the heat and in the cold. You were willing to wear masks and check your temperatures and register for services and make all kinds of adjustments, and you have been just simply gracious and disciplined in your attendance here and online. It's because of that that though some folks in our church body have had to experience the virus, we have had zero cases of transmission as a result of any MBC church gathering, and that is a great blessing. So I wanted to say thank you. 
For more examples of the ways that God has worked through our church this year, just check out our unhindered page. It's pretty amazing. We get that word unhindered from the book of Acts. It's the last word in the book of Acts. Did you know that? Take a look. It's it's describing the, the work and ministry of a man named the Apostle Paul, where it says this, he lived there for two whole years at his own expense. He was in quarantine, and he welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. With all boldness and without hindrance. The Greek word unhindered there means showing no signs of being under control whatsoever. That's what the gospel is. It's like that movie in Jurassic Park where the dinosaurs get out and the guy goes, I don't know, life finds a way. The gospel finds a way. See, this is what Luke, the writer of Acts, is saying. Look at everything they threw at Paul. Look at everything they threw at all of us. Look at what the world tried to do. Look at all of the opposition. Look at everything that we've faced. Look at all of it and remember this. Nothing can ever stop the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is unhindered. God's work is unhindered today too, ladies and gentlemen. I just want you to look at this one letter we received from the mayor of Bernard's Township. He said this to us. He said, I also want to thank you for NBC's continued volunteer efforts with regard to the senior hotline and cannot applaud your efforts enough for making such a positive difference to those in our community who need the most help. Again, thank you for making such an impact on our community during this very challenging time of need and your thoughtful assistance to our police, first responders, and educators. A big thank you to Millington Baptist Church for all of their ongoing efforts. I am very grateful for all the hard work so many of you are putting in daily. Thank you very much. Very sincerely yours, Mayor Jim Baldazier, Bernard's Township. Now, would we have had the opportunity to reach out in this way had this year not been the way it was? We'll never know. But what I do know is that the church that's mobilized to share God's love with those around them is a beautiful thing. God can bring good out of calamity. On a personal level, my wife and I have watched God build faith, character, and purpose into our family out of this terrible year. This year, many of us have lost significant things and even significant people in our lives. And to lose a loved one or to lose our employment or to have our financial security reduced or our mental health shaken can only be described as awful. So I don't want to minimize that. But even in this darkness, even in the darkness, even in the darkness, those losses cannot strip us of God's ultimate plan for our lives. You may be feeling like it has, but today as we enter into this new year, I just want to challenge you to rethink that. Our significance is established by much greater realities. God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, chose you from the beginning of time, chose to make men and women in his own image and his own likeness, and then he chose also to redeem us according to his own sovereign plan. Colossians chapter 1 says, This God holds all things together by the word of his power, so that in all things he might have the preeminence. In his eyes, he says, We are precious in his sight and part of his master plan for the universe. 
He is growing us and he is shaping us and conforming us into the image of the, the, the very son, Jesus Christ. He cares about who we are. Actually, when you think about it, we ought not be surprised that God is displaying this wonderful capacity for bringing good things out of calamity. After all, in the face of the injustice, death, and seeming defeat of his own son at the cross, he actually, from that event, drew the greatest victory of all. Out of his victory, he caused to flow the forgiveness and grace and mercy and salvation that is now offered to you and to me and to anybody who is watching to trust him with your lives. And instead of death and separation from our creator in our sin, God has made us a way to offer us reconciliation as a free gift. If you have him, what can really be taken away from you? Can God redeem this broken year? Yes, fixing broken stuff is like what our God specializes in. Friends, at the heart of everything, we serve the Romans 8.28 God, who is working all things together for the good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He is moving his unstoppable plan for the ages forward this year. We eagerly await the time when this pandemic is over and we can regularly gather together as our entire church body face to face. But while we are waiting, let that be a reminder to you that we are also waiting for a greater gathering with all of the generations of all of the saints of God when together we will enjoy the great supper of the Lamb and gather around the throne of the Lord Jesus and say, worthy is the Lamb. We eagerly await that day. And now is just a reminder that we are a people in waiting. Lockdown is a reminder that we look forward to the great gathering in the future face to face. Can you imagine if we got these three lessons deep in our hearts? Could you imagine as we crossed over into 2021, if we really believe deep down that we really aren't in control? If we really got the fact that life really is short, if we really trusted deep in our souls that God really can bring good out of calamity, can you imagine a church full of people who believe that? Can you imagine a church just full of men and women who got these lessons down deep in their spirit? Let's be that church. And then, though 2020 might be the greatest disaster we've ever faced, God, in his redemptive way, will turn it around and say, with all due respect, I believe this was your finest hour. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, how it pierces through to our hearts. Thank you for your presence here today. Thank you that your word is practical and it applies in our lives even as we enter into the unknown in areas of the future where we need you the most I pray, God, that you would help us in this next year to trust you more, to not depend so much on our ability or our ingenuity, but to realize you hold the keys to the future, and our life is really in your hands, and when our life is in your hands, that's actually the safest place to be. So help us to do what we know we ought to do, and we ask, God, that you would bless our new year. We pray that you would find us pursuing you more deeply, loving you more 
truly and serving you more gratefully. For we ask all of these things for Christ's sake and for his reputation. Amen.